tired. So tired. Overtired. This episode is brought to you by Notion. Hello, everybody. This is Overtired. This is Overtired, the podcast you've been waiting for all year. And here we are. This is episode 341. I don't know what it's called yet, but I'm here with Christina. Hello, Christina. Hello. Happy New Year. Thank you, Christina Warren, for those of you who are joining for the first time because you needed something new this year. Uh, Brett Terpstra, hi. Yo. And we are starting 2024 with the amazing Alex Cox. I'm so excited about this. Hello, Alex. I mean, mm, big qualifiers on how you define amazing, but so happy to be here on the season premiere of Overtired. (laughs) Yes, yes. Season premiere. Oh, yeah. Let's make it a season premiere. Is it episode 400? Because of the way that only we do our episode numbers. This could be 400. We juke the stats, as they used to say in The Wire. (laughs) Alex, host of, of, co-host of the podcast, Due by Friday, and um, and Haptic. FM. I listened to Do By Friday about three episodes just to get ready for this um, thing. And I really love that podcast. Oh, I apologize. Oh, goodness. Ah, goodness I enjoyed it so much. Do you know what it reminds me of? One of the earliest, but the first podcast I listened to, I actually listened to it in order to write this article about podcasts for a magazine uh, way, 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 way back. And it was the Don and Drew show. Oh, my God. And it oh, was yeah. This, like, it was oh, this geez. couple. Wow. It was this couple in their barn i think and i think in illinois um yeah, and God. they were really fucking funny and the whole podcast was just the two of them talking to each other and i remember being like this format i love and to this day i way prefer two people bullshitting to something super produced and beautiful like a radio lab or anything else not to diss any of that it's an amazing amount of work but it's like public access TV, man, but it's just a little bit better. How do you I feel mean, about four people bullshitting? Four people bullshitting is say, great. My sweet spot is always the number three, so I'm absolutely ruining your season premiere. But <laughs> no I, I no. think with the amount Merlin talks, we kind of even out to three people. <laughs> also, four people is fun because it's like bumper cars. And and I kind of enjoy that. So welcome. <laughs> I'm so glad that I get to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, should we? Let's do this. What are we doing? Are we doing some mental health uh, uh, corner? I feel like who wants to go to the corner. That's our format. That's our that's our formula. <laughs> <laughs> Since it's twenty twenty four, we can refresh. What is mental health corner, Brett? Hit it. Okay. Um, what is mental health corner? Mental health corner is three and sometimes four people <laughs> describing where they're at and what they've been through in the last week in this case like the last month it's been a while um but uh just like to, uh it's a check-in it's a it's a way to i don't know like i feel like we learn a lot i get a lot of email from listeners that and the one thing they always mention is the mental health corner like people find something they can identify with between all of us and our various diagnoses uh, we we actually relate to a large portion of our potential listeners so and and i think beautifully no pressure no expectation like early in the podcast brett and i would be talking and he'd be like you should talk about this on the show and i'd be like no or he'd be like you should talk about this on the show i'd be like oh yeah maybe and so uh there's no pressure to do anything at length or be any kind of level of vulnerable it's just uh it's the corner man it's a little place corner it's a good place um so i'll kick it off if that's cool um i have realized that 
my CPTSD, um, one of the symptoms of that is black and white thinking, where I need oh. I need everything to be true or false, black or white, good or bad, evil or or beneficial. And I don't okay, so it's intellectually, I can I can find the gray areas and I can live in the gray areas. And like my favorite TV characters are not good or evil. They are complex characters with with justifications and reasons and history and background. And intellectually, I love that. But I find that in like an argument or in even a, like a simple debate, um, I need all the evidence to either send me to the right or to the left, to the black or to the white. And I'm constantly this two dimensional scale. I'm like, okay, now I believe this. Okay, now I believe this. I'm willing to change my mind, but it's a binary. And that's not super productive, especially when you are partnered up with an autistic person who literally everything is gray to them. Um, and before they can say, oh, that's a great idea or that's a bad idea, they have so many questions. And like, I want to start the conversation with, that's a great idea. And here are the potential problems we might run into. But they want to start the conversation with, okay, so here's here's what I see as potential issues. And before I can tell you this is a good idea, we need to solve these problems. And I have this very bulldozer mentality. Like if I'm faced with a problem, whether it's a coding challenge or uh, a work challenge or just something I want to do in my life, I just go. And I deal with problems as they come up. I solve things on the way. Half the time, I end up going back to the beginning and starting over with new information. And that's fine by me. Like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to plan. I just want to attack it head on, um, which is kind of stupid um, for, for most people, but it works for me. But it all comes back to this idea of like not being able to exist in gray areas emotionally. So that's what I've learned in this last month. Mm. And CPTS, <laughs> PTSD, CPTSD is complex PTSD. Complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Which I feel like is still a, a term that's only becoming familiar. Sure. And it's not mm -hmm. in the DSM. Like uh, mm -hmm. my diagnosis is PTSD, um, but the kind of like sub-genre of that is complex PTSD as a result of religious trauma syndrome. It, RTS isn't in the DSM either, right? No. Because no. that's something that, well, you know, both, I think it's being recognized, obviously, in the, quote, professional mm -hmm. psychiatric yeah. and psychological community, but also, uh, like, you and, and other folks I know have both the mostly tra trans folks or folks similar to you, Brett, who grew up in that environment. And uh, I just really applaud the folks who are coming forward. Coming forward sounds like a very, I don't know, like a gross term, but just talking about it in a way that unfortunately is needed to validate it to, again, quote, professionals and right. Thank yeah. you for, yeah. for sharing well, that because I do you think that's also like a byproduct of bipolar stuff? You're still diagnosed with that. Vice right? versa. Been... Yeah. Uh, I'm diagnosed yeah, bipolar. I was curious. But bipolar is a symptom 
of CPTSD. Emotional dysregulation mm-hmm. is a symptom of CP, as are attention disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, like this all comes like my, and like I said, in the DSM, I'm just PTSD. And like that can explain all of my other various diagnoses. So even though that's the one I got the most recently, it's also the one that I feel is at the root of everything else I'm diagnosed with, um, which is quite the trip when you yeah. when you like live your life believing I am this, I am this, and I am this. These are my diagnoses. These are what are uh, what what the medical professionals have labeled me as. And then to find out, oh shit, this is all, this is all stemming from a problem I didn't realize I had until I was forty-five. Mm. Yeah, I always find that sort of unhinged and, and shocking the way that it's our diagnoses are often pushed on us in such a binary. And the reason I've stayed with my psychiatrist of uh, ten years, I s- switch like therapists the way i switch underwear but the <laughs> which is often i should you mean clarify like, do you mean like switch <laughs> yeah, tights or how often and you change uh, underwear. that's true yeah just, just not and not so much the, the uh i suppose the type i don't know <laughs> this is a the lot. only show where i would say that i say that just a, a, a lot but i've been with the same psychiatrist for gosh like almost 15 years because wow. his whole methodology which is wild for a white guy in the suburbs of uh, dupage county which is in illinois to be like all right yes you are bipolar you've been misdiagnosed as depressed because people see you as a teenage girl and these uh, antidepressants clearly are are bad for you but let's not label that let's treat the symptoms rather than pinning down a diagnosis. And and that's stuck with me. But I have seen like you, it go the opposite way for so many folks. And I understand, like, gosh, I understand, I think how difficult that must be because of like other binary terms that have been prescribed. So again, yeah. thank you so much for sharing this. I know you did on another episode, but I wanted you to explain what your complex so PTSD was again. <laughs> it's a big deal. It is a big deal, and and I I I um I completely relate to you, Alex. I've had the same psychiatrist actually for more than twenty years, and when he retires or dies, and and I'm not trying to be like uh, morbid here, but like he's in his he's in his seventies, so you know uh, he's at, at some point I you know I, I'm, I'm hoping that he will be active until you know he just keels over, but like I don't have twenty more years with this guy, and yeah. I'm yeah I, I'm like terrified of that because I'm like this is literally uh, he's he's unique in that he is a psychiatrist that also do uh, therapy and same and yeah. he, and he <laughs> listens and and I. Uh, for, for a white guy from the South, despite like we don't share a lot of the same political opinions, that doesn't matter. He's very open-minded about different treatments. He knows me, he listens to me and, uh, and he's great at what he does. And uh, I'm, it's like beyond like, it's, it's a, it's a stressor to even think about, okay, like where would I even go to start to find someone else? Right. Because, yeah. And, and, and I'm in a very fortunate position where for me, money's not even part of that because he doesn't accept insurance anyway. So I haven't had, you know, like, it, you know, so, so I don't even care like, oh, well, who does your insurance cover? I'm like, that's, that's not part of the equation here. It, it's like, how do I find somebody? How long do I have to get in? Because when I started seeing him, 
you know, 20 years ago, I was uh, my because my previous psychiatrist had uh, was hired by an insurance company, um, uh, and I loved Dr. Baker. Dr. Baker was great, and he was the first one that I'd found. I think after like five or six attempts, when I was a you know starting when I was like 13 or 14, um, when um, he left private practice, I was on a wait list to get into my current uh, psychiatrist for months. It was the better part of a year. So mm-hmm. I'm like. And I had this guy that I used to just call Dr. Kevorkian, who would just basically like write me a script. Friend of the show. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally like what I called him in my live journal. I was like, yep, saw Dr. Kevorkian today. You know, got, got the script for, for, my, for my stuff. You know, it was just completely just so, yeah. When you find those people, it's, it's important, but it can also be really distressing. To your earlier point when, you know, we, we don't get diagnosed with the right things because of certain characteristics that we have. And then we, it's like, oh, now we're adults and, and we have all this stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, that might have been useful to know earlier. I will say my, my, um, psychi- my, psychi- my original psychiatrist retiring was the worst thing that has happened to me. Um, there is a dearth of psychiatric professionals where I live. Um, so I got pawned off from a, a, an aged and well-experienced psychiatrist onto some PA from Iowa. And that was definitely pre, like you could just get on zoom with somebody yeah. and get on whatever yeah. proprietary and therapy. They took me off all my meds uh. and it was, oh. and I spent two years trying to get back to some kind of stasis. I mean, that's and criminal I lost, in my I lost my job. I got divorced. Uh. Like shit went bad. I would yeah. literally, I'm, I probably would die. Like that is, one of the most dangerous things I've ever heard happening to someone. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, it was it was rough. Psychiatrists do get old, though. Yeah, it happens. Gosh, I didn't even really think about this until now <laughs> because I he he's he's like in his, gosh, it's a little bit younger than my parents, like so mid mid to late fifties, and I'm realizing now because I right now don't have insurance and he um, I, I basically have an under the table deal i <laughs> realized because of that privilege of growing up in the suburbs and i am so worried that i'm gonna just be uh, in order to like get my lamictal end up going to one of those like uber uh psych doctors where yeah. you can be like yeah, yeah. i i uh have uh, 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 trouble paying attention. Here is your Adderall. I know that is yeah, being yeah. Uh, uh, cr- sort of uh, cracked down on, but man, I am going to start looking into that. Now. I will. I will. I will try to comfort you insofar as Lamictal is like even your average MD, uh, like general practitioner, will prescribe you Lamictal. Um, yeah. it's not a scary drug for most prescribers. Man, it's, it's kind cool. of, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's solid. It's proven. Um, and if you, if you find yourself without a psychiatrist, you can often go to a general practitioner yeah. and say, look, I have this diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I need this med and, and they'll fill that for you. 
Yeah. It is so common that perhaps I've acquired it in a different way when my psychiatrist <laughs> has been out of town perhaps. and I responsibly Mayhaps. Which is, I mean, I, I, another thing that is important about having doctors who are willing to learn, grow, and change because when I was younger, I was on lithium, which is mm. the most, was Oof. the most common. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Been there. And Been there. As, as, soon as, as soon as possible, it was like, hey, there's it's this new the thing with with everybody. Oh, yeah. 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 Oof. Did you have a bad reaction to lithium? Oh, here's Lamictal. Why didn't we start Why with that start to with begin that? with? I don't know. Or, or, or It had a patent longer is the answer. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. One, yeah. is, one is cheap, one is not. And it makes sense. Well, it's funny because when um, uh, I was... I was misdiagnosed with with being bipolar because I'd pissed off that psychiatrist. I mean, that's actually what I. Was. Oh, are you? You mean you were a little? You were a woman and you were angry. So. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Well, and she no, she's a woman too. But but I I spoke really fast because I was mad about something and I she was really insistent that I stay on a certain antidepressant. I was like, you're getting paid with the drug companies. This is why you're prescribing this for me. You're you you refuse to get off you know this bandwagon. I'm telling you. It no longer works. It was working. Now it is not working. I need to go on something else. And she was just refusing to do anything. And I was like, you're clearly getting uh, you know, paid by the drug companies. Turned out I was actually correct. Um, but she was upset about that. So she was like, oh, well, you're bipolar. And um, huh. and so uh, put me uh, first on, on on lithium and then on lamictal. Neither of those were, I'm not bipolar. So that was not a good experience yeah. for me. Um, yeah. but to that point, what you were saying about being able to get like a, a, you know, regular doctor to prescribe, I think this is a, just a Christina's like, you know, FYI for anybody out there note, get something in your file, get some sort of diagnosis from your psychiatrist mm -hmm. so that you can mm -hmm. keep it for your own records. So that if mm -hmm. you are in a situation where either your insurance changes, your psychiatrist retires, or they go off somewhere else or whatnot, and you have a hard time getting your records and it's not as easy to get our own medical records as it should be. You have something so that if you are in one of those scenarios where you're like, shit, I have to get my ADHD meds, I have to get my antidepressants, I have yeah. to get, yeah. you know, like whatever. No, no GP will prescribe ADHD meds unless you have an official diagnosis on your record. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that diagnosis requires testing um, and, and psychiatric approval. Uh, once you have that, most doctors are willing to kind of... Um, I guess Ben, like there's, there are a lot of rules that GPs have to conform to is around things like Adderall and Vyvanse. Yeah. Um, and, and the one thing that will tip the scale in your favor is having that official diagnosis. If you have, if you're going to someone who accepts insurance, when they file their claim to the insurance, it has to include your official diagnoses. So going to someone with insurance kind of guarantees that you have that on your record going to someone off insurance, you may have to pursue uh, and make sure that they have a clinical DSM approved diagnosis on your record. Right. This yeah. is why you guys are my favorite podcast <laughs> Be because in the past it was sort of the opposite for a lot of people. Like I, I was locked down. Like I don't want any GP, anyone right. to know that I'm bipolar because mm -hmm. I the was stigma. turning. Yep. Well, not even that because I was turning 26. And yeah. I and you were like, oh shit, I'm not going to get health insurance because it's it, pre right. condition. Mm -hmm. And I was so worried uh, also about getting a, a job like, yes, HIPAA, and, but people get around that. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I found I was employed by a people, a bunch of weirdos like me. So it was not a problem whatsoever. And uh, 
now like I'm tr- we're like you know going through health.gov and I'm you know one of those obnoxious Bernie Burroughs who really wants universal health care but at least Obamacare uh or whatever it is called now it's like oh no we ha- like it is good we have your pre-existing conditions yes which is uh, is something I did not know until like a few years ago and was still ma- masking it as much as possible you guys are just the best podcast. Yeah. Oh, when I gosh. when I did my intake for Oracle, um, bipolar was listed as an accepted disability, um, and they didn't make you declare. They just asked you, "Are you? Do you have a disability?" And yeah. then they listed all the possible things. So I checked the box for yes, and that gives me a certain amount of protection. Mm-hmm. But you're um, also like, I also think of this as a superpower. <laughs> sure, but <laughs> but like if. If worse comes to worst, I can say, look, I have a disability and this was clearly defined in my intake. And that's kind of new for me because I did always consider Mm -hmm. bipolar a liability when taking a job because I knew my bipolar could fuck with my ability to do my job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I have a certain amount of protection um, legally. Yeah. No, which is is wild. which is really mm-hmm. important and, and 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 but it is it's one of those things it obviously varies where you work and and all that stuff and there are still stigmas there uh but it's decreased a lot and yeah i mean with the uh, obamacare or you know whatever the whatever it's called um aca uh, aca yeah um like that was a for all the critique that i think a lot of them are are correct um you know there's like on both it, sides but i would say the the <laughs> No, because genuinely, like, no, not, not even really. They're, they're if by gen- both sides, you mean Democrats and obnoxious progressives like me, then sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, sure. yeah, but, but exactly. But I mean, pe- people who support single payer, I guess, have the have the most beef with it. Right. Well, and there, look, there are very valid things to criticize it for because it did make things worse for some people, well, and it and it did yeah. make things more complicated. And I'm not going to pretend like it's perfect. It got the website was the awful. Knee. The website did. It got capped in of the course. knees by the rape. Republicans who You're, then who course. then could hold it up and say, "Look, it's not working." No, because uh, of mm-hmm. these no, these of writers we slid in. No, you're completely correct. But I'm just saying, like, even putting all that aside, what I always say to people because you know we have like friends of ours who will like talk about it is ridiculous how much I have to pay, you know, for health insurance and 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 whatnot, and um, you know, through the um uh the the various uh, marketplaces and whatnot, and they're not wrong on any of those things. Not that that's the ACA's fault, but yeah, the website didn't work and whatnot. But the one thing I will defend that forever is I'm like, look. That got rid of the pre-existing condition mm-hmm. BS yeah. that for me, when I, you know, I was, I was able to stay on my insurance for a year longer than I should have been able to. And I don't remember why, but they basically, we were able to get something done. And then when I was 27, it was basically, uh, you know, I, I was like, okay, well my meds at the time I was, it was taking ProVigil, which was not generic then. And it was like 1400 a month. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was like, you know, with the insurance discount. And, um, then I, you know, like Cobra, I think was like 1100. So I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to have to pay for Cobra because my med cost is higher than that. Right. But I couldn't get insurance any other way. And, and because of of where I was working at the time, like we didn't have insurance yet. And so it was one of those things where like, I had to wait until the company got big enough to get like proper health insurance. And then fortunately the ACA passed, you know, but like, and and I wasn't in a unique situation. So, so I was like in this weird position where I'm like, you know, like 25 and I'm like healthy and I'm, I'm white and I'm a woman. I have 
I'm thin. Like all my health stuff is like perfect. Like I'm like the cheapest person to insure, right? And like sure. I can't get insurance because I have, you know, I was diagnosed with with depression when I was 13. And, mm-hmm. you know, it is just like, okay, great. That America is excellent. Um, yeah. But, did you yeah. ever did you ever explore black market manafido? I did, and and I remember talking to you Wait, about it. What's that? What's that? Christina, help me. What what is that's that? a really good Tom Waits song. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it sounds like a hot Natalie Portman movie. It does. It does. It, oh my god, it really does. Uh, black market modafinil. It really does. No, so modafinil is is the actual drug that is provincial, which is now a generic. But yeah, oh, Brett, but right, Brett, right. but Brett, you used to buy it off of like Amazon. No, you used to get it off of um uh, uh the uh, um, um, whatchamacallit? Uh, I, the, the dark um, web? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't you get it yeah. off of uh, Silk Road? Yeah, basically. With, Silk, with, uh... I bought it with Bitcoin. And yeah. like, th- this is during the two years after my psychiatrist retired and I was just completely right. fucked. And I was looking for any way to. your account is locked. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, no, that's, that's because I tried to buy Vivance on the black market. <laughs> Um, and that's, and that's when, and that's when my pay, my Bitcoin wallet was like, okay, you're out. Um, but the Manafidil, because Bitcoin has, I never got in trouble for the Manafidil. Um, and that, that, that was, it was all right. Um, it was not, it was not not a stimulant. Um, well, yeah, when modafinil is not a similar, I mean, it is and it's not, it's controlled, but it's not the same thing. So like it, it's like, I used to do the two of them together. I used to have dexedrine yeah. and, and modafinil and together. And that makes and, sense. And I'd like to have them both back again, but it is expensive. My husband recently was prescribed Provigil um, in lieu of his um, Adderall and, and he's, he's liking really? it, but, but he's also, I think kind of having a hard time with it a little bit because he's like, I don't get that speed. I'm like, no, you yeah. don't. Because it's no, not that. Stay awake for fucking ever. Right. Yeah. Because it was originally a narcolepsy drug. And then it turns out it also well, gives you tremendous well, It was originally originally developed for the army. Yes. So they to could allow soldiers to not sleep. Correct. Yes. Yeah. No, genuinely. It like, was that's what our it version of, yeah. The, it, it, if uh, folks have read the book Blitzed, which I... It's it's a book about Nazis and meth, and it's not sympathetic to Nazis in any way. But it also goes into like the American drugs versus yeah, yeah. Well, no. Oh yeah. Well yeah. Oh yeah. I remember this. And there's another one um, because like all these things um, are wind up, and and this is what winds up ruining it for us who are trying to do it correctly is that all the athletes wind up using this stuff, and so it winds Mm. up fucking people who need it for real reasons because athletes will figure out how to like drug them. Themselves to, to perform better so like provigil was used that way and a bunch of other things and a bunch of other hormones and that other stuff which is difficult for regular people to get because you know uh balco uh um that's a throwback and and other people were doing that but um um there's an interesting book um i'll try to find it for the show notes uh, blitz is a good one but also about like the, the east german doping regime um it for the olympics like during like the the cold war era oh, it's yeah. freaking insane um uh, all all the shit that they would do and like the ways that they would dope um their athletes to perform well um it's like insanity but yeah um uh, i i I contend that one of the reasons that insurance companies don't to this day like cover modafinil um as well as they should like they'll put caps on it and certain things and make it hard is because uh what's her face who who had like she won a, a gold medal for for sprinting and some other things. She was like a really famous um, runner, and then she was like Provigil was amongst some of the drugs that she was found to have in her system when she was when she was doping 
um, and, and like family tree slash um, intersecting histories that surround every single mental health drug is uh-huh. kind mm-hmm. of amazing. Like we originally made this to stimulate bats to like, it's just like a weird, the <laughs> other totally. day, this is, I just, while we're on the sort of like the border of like Vivance and meth conversation or like Vivance and hard drug conversation, like the other day I'm off of Vivance now. I, I was taking like 40 milligrams, which I never should have been. It was my own fault. I asked for an increase, but it was just, I was developing like a twitch and it was just not good. And I also realized like I was having like a prolonged manic episode and it didn't occur to me that it might be the Vivance. But anyway, I decided I was going to try to like break that dosage down a little bit. And even though years ago, Brett taught me how to do that with water, which I forgot, I tried to like cut it like cocaine, which is like cutting cocaine on a dollhouse coffee table. Like, it's just like, it's that, just this little bitty amount. And you just kind of, how do I get, you know, I was trying to make a 10 milligrams out of not, 40. Just to be clear, not to snort it. No, no, just to throw it in some water and take it. Um, because snorting Vyvanse doesn't work. I can No, it doesn't. That's that. the point. No, of that's the whole point they of Vyvanse. One molecule yeah. so that you can't snort it like Adderall. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the only thing is dexedrine, but with one thing changed, so you can't abuse it. So they took like literally the thing that had the patent that had retired, like that had been retired earliest. They didn't even use uh-huh. Adderall. They used dexedrine because that's the one that the patent like expired like in the 70s. Uh, and they were like, oh, oh what's the, how can we get the most value out of this? Dexedrine is the one that used to be over the counter, right? Like um, no, bit. no, no. That was Dexatrim, which was yeah. Dexatrim. I took that in ninth of... grade, and I didn't eat for like five days. Oh yeah, and I lost all kinds of mm-hmm. weight, and then I was like, I think I'm starting to wasn't become an episode same, of Family Ties. Uh, wasn't that uh, what's in Sudafed? Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, that uh, they uh, use uh, in uh, ma- ephedrine or whatever. Ephedrine. Yeah, yeah. Ephedrine. Yeah. Dexatrim. I, I think so. was Dexatrim. I think was ephedrine. Yeah. Which you also used to be able to buy ephedrine at yes. the gas station. Truckers Merlin loves to talk on Dubai Friday about how much he misses ephedrine, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I used to. Oh man, I used to do like fifty but, halves like, of uh, that a what, day. But what's the what's the what's the what's the brand? What's the brand from? What? No, no. When we were kids, uh, there was a. No dose. No dose was caffeine. That was yeah, just caffeine. It was just caffeine. Although you know what? I did find this out the hard way. Um, if you took you, you timed it just wrong and you took your nodos and then you, you know, it maybe didn't kick in for a while and then you took your dexedrine, the two could fuse. And the end result <laughs> was wow. basically like being on on like a massive coke bender. I assume yeah, the end result was basically a Jackson all. Pollock painting. I mean, I, I have video of me somewhere because this happened to me twice, and it was like, it was insane. I've like, I, like my friends. I remember the first time it happened to me. I was like sixteen, and they were like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, "I don't know." I'm like, "I think my dodos and my dexedrine fused, and now I'm magic, and I can do anything." And I was I like, the, and they were like, they like took me to like, I'll never forget this. We went to Long John Silver's, so like they could, they were trying to get like food in me to see, you know, like that would sober me up. It did not work. Um, and I was like trying to like act low key, like not completely out of my mind, like wired on meth or whatever, like all day did not work. I would, oh I would God. like to offer the disclaimer that everyone on this show right now is currently a responsible drug user. I mean, mostly. I'd like to offer the we, little piece of history that without being able to snort Adderall, Adderall yeah, which yeah. I never did, but without being able to snort it, you would have never had like power pop. 
That's true. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. There we go. No, you're you're not wrong. I mean, look, uh, but rock and roll wouldn't exist without cocaine. There, there's a lot of things we could say that like wouldn't exist without some of uh, our our rock our, and roll wouldn't exist without Little Richard. I I agree. <laughs> without yeah. cocaine in Little Richard. <laughs> right, right, that, that's right. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, man. But yeah, no, we're we're responsible drug users, and and everything I take is either prescribed for me or legal in the state of Washington. So yes, there's that. Yes, because we've grown up. So I have grown up. We're we're at the I, 30 minute I mean, mark. I still, I'm too, I'm just too afraid. I, <laughs> Same. I remain cool. too afraid. I remain too afraid. I've never done, except for some gummies recently. It's my first drugs. Oh yeah, I guess so. Oh wow, yeah. you're straight edge. I, uh, yeah. I Woo. wasn't straight edge and I wasn't disposition. I was just, it was just where I was at. All my friends were either throughout my life, like including people I dated, they might be junkies. They might be like, they might be giants. Um, <laughs> I they might gonna, be just any <laughs> kind of drug. But, but what happened was people just knew this about me without me telling them. So no one did drugs around me. Like right. there were people I didn't know were snorting Coke before every show when I was in a band, but they were just like, let's, Jeff doesn't have to see this. Well, I'm see, like, I'm not a little porcelain no. like, drummer doll. Well, no, see, I love how we had the full spectrum because like, like Brett has been in rehab and is like recovered and like had like a serious like addiction. Like you have never done things. Alex, you're saying same way. And then I feel like I'm like the person who's just like a minimal but casual. Like I will do edibles and stuff. Experimental. But not even that so much. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, you're at a party and like you're in college. And people are like want to do drugs. And you're like, absolutely. You know, sure. I mean, and the, but it's not yeah. a regular mm-hmm. thing. It's not a habit. You but don't yeah, have a dealer. But then you don't go home. No. You don't go home and like find a dealer. No. And like hook up on the street corner. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm afraid. Well, it's casual. I, I would get offered co- cocaine at parties, but but then people would just assume I was on coke because I, I was right. masked. So yeah. like, I, Same. College, oh, that happened to me all the time. I was like a, a habitual coke user. And Same. I was like, no. I'm like, I wish. Coke when I was. When I was in eighth grade, I had a cafeteria table intervention by two of my friends who said, we we think you're taking speed. And it was not long after that Family Ties uh-huh. episode where like oh, yeah. Alex Keaton oh, is like my- taking speed. And I think that's where they learned the symptoms. I was so shocked because I was like, no, I'm not. And that, then once I was diagnosed bipolar, I was like, oh, oh that's what it was. Yeah. It's all that thing where like, you don't Pepsi, realize. Man. All I want is a Pepsi. Anyway, I have a good transition to like what? Okay. Uh, whatever. Can, because we're at the 30 minute mark. Can we take a quick sponsor break and then we will come back to what is probably going to be a full episode of mental health? This episode is brought to you by Notion, and Notion is one of my favorite apps. I've been using this for years. It's a really great way to take notes, keep things around, plan things. You can even host websites on it and stuff like that. And so I kind of use it as a catch-all for a lot of my different documents. And one of the great things uh, about Notion is they recently introduced some AI tools. And Notion AI is uh, a way that kind of, in in some ways, it's kind of creating like a, a custom LLM based on all of your data. So uh, for instance, I have all the different deals that are uh, available to me as a Microsoft slash GitHub employee. And rather than having to search through the many, many, many pages and weird web clippings that I've put into this folder, I can just kind of ask Notion AI and it'll show me, you know, this is your discount for Sonos and what you need to do. So Notion combines your notes, your docs and projects into one space that is simple and beautifully designed. And the fully integrated Notion AI helps you work faster, write better and think bigger doing tasks that normally take you hours in just seconds. Like I said, I don't have to search through a bunch of documents to find out that Sonos discount. Uh, One of the things that I'm actually going to be focusing on doing in 2024 
is making a, a catalog of all of our gratitude picks so that I can have a website for us. I've been promising that for a while. And what I'm actually going to do to help me aid in that process is I'm going to be bringing in all of our show notes into Notion so that I can very easily just be like, okay, show me, you know, it has, has this app, you know, been a gratitude pick? And um, I think that, that is, the Notion AI is going to help me get that process up um, and going much, much easier. So um, big fan of Notion and Notion AI. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash overtired. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash overtired to try the powerful, easy to use Notion AI today. And when you use our link, you're supporting our show. So again, that is notion.com slash overtired. This episode is also brought to you by Around Square. You know that experience of learning something new that would have been so useful last week or finding something special that you hadn't realized you'd been missing all these years? Well, today might be one of those days. Around Square is a company that you've probably never heard about, but for certain people, the brand, the products, and the ideas just really resonate. Since 2007, Around Square has been designing and producing beautiful, unusual, functional goods for the mind and body. Their specialty is a range of intriguing little objects for everyday carry. Many of these are things that could be called skill toys, dexterity trainers, or fidget toys, but they really don't conform to these labels, and none of them really do the products justice. They're striking, minimalist objects, more akin to jewelry than playthings, but they're also serious tools designed for creative exploration and peaceful manipulation Things to keep the hands busy and the mind at ease by providing just the desired level of stimulation. Around Square's eclectic range goes way beyond this and includes stationery, jewelry, functional clothing, and much more. Come check it out at www.aroundsquare.com and use the code OVERTIRED for 15% off. That's aroundsquare.com and use the code OVERTIRED for 15% off. Okay. Back to you, Jeff. Just to say, I looked something up while we were talking because I was again marveling at the failure of healthcare.gov uh -huh. um, and how that launch was such a disaster. So and I was like, how does this line up with what we learned from Edward Snowden about the technological capabilities of the NSA? And it's the same year. It's the exact same year. And it's year, just yep. a really funny thing to put next yeah. to each other. Like the mm -hmm. utter failure of a pretty, not simple website, but not un- tried technology no, and not what, really like, close. the nsa was able to do <laughs> well and you know how they managed to fix it and this is true is, uh so um uh i can't think of his name right now shit it'll come to me because uh, he recently retired but um he led all of our um covid all of microsoft's covid response really good guy um who'd been like at a at, at microsoft for a long time like left microsoft to go to the government and fix their website and then after that, he like came back to Microsoft as like the as like the chief wow. strategy officer. American literally, hero. thank you for your service. My God, yeah, oh. literally, <laughs> literally, yeah. Wow. Um, uh, but yeah, he was he was a great guy. Um, uh, well, is a great guy. He's he's retired now. I can't think of his name, but um, he um, uh, yeah, basically like um, uh, um, 
Ray, I, I want to say his name might be maybe Kurt, one of those. Anyway, um, he, uh, I think, I think, I think it was. Uh, his ears aren't burning until we say his name. No, I think his name was Kurt. Candyman. Kurt, Candyman. Uh, Kurt Delbini. There we go. Kurt Delbini. Um, oh, and, okay. And, and, oh, Curdy D. And no, but he, he's a great guy. But like, he literally. <laughs> friend, Curdy D. <laughs> Curdy B. No, but he was great. Well, honestly, like the one like comforting part of the pandemic, like I have to say, we got these amazing weekly like reports and then they became biweekly and then eventually kind of went away. And then when Kurt retired, someone else took over and that person did not do a good job. But we would get these amazing like updates about like what the spread was at, where things were globally, where things were with the offices, what the Washington state situation was. And like they were, he was collecting all this data and like working directly with like the Washington state department of health and all this stuff. And like, it was, it was a very, very, we had like a very robust command center. In some ways, I think it was probably better than the federal government's uh, command center uh, was at that time. Uh, with that administration sure. so um like i uh, it was uh definitely uh helpful to have that um Kerr was a good guy love him yeah so so, so to, that ra- <laughs> yeah Thanks, that wraps Freddy. up that wraps up <laughs> brett's mental health corner <laughs> yeah i don't have much to add i mean i'll just uh i, I said it would be short it was not short. <laughs> it was that, like that, half hour no that went into a lot of other things Sorry. no it's, yeah, no it's yeah. good that went a bunch of other things um we do have like one topic that uh that other than mental health that uh um jeff and i have to talk about because we're well it involves definitely your mental health well it definitely does maybe maybe i should just use this as the segue for that um you use it as your mental health oh, oh, you know what i totally I, should i have feelings about that too i know you oh. i was gonna say Yes, I was going to say, Alex, I was talking oh. with them on threads about this, and we both were like, what the fuck? Like, and okay, and okay, but to tie back to Mental Health Corner for a second. So um, my long-running podcast, Rocket, ended last week. Um, so if you are listening to this uh, podcast for the first time because you're a Rocket listener, hi, thank you. Um, uh, we love you. And uh, that was, like, that was the end of a nine-year, um, you know, project. And even though it was our decision and like it was our choice and it was just time, um, you know, endings are hard and um, like there was a lot of emotions involved, but um, I'm actually, this is a good thing. So I haven't been on any antidepressants since basically middle slash end of October uh, when I came off of the new antidepressant that I went on, um, which I went on in hopes of kind of getting me out of a a major, major depression that I was in um, earlier this year that was pretty debilitating. And uh, at first it was working really well and then it was not. And I was having some really gnarly side effects. So I went off of it. And um, so now I'm not on anything. Um, But I was talking about this with my psychiatrist yesterday. Like I, I'm feeling good. I think that the one good thing of that medicine was I think it did like click me out of that like very deep, like kind of suicidal, like bad place depression. And um, I feel like almost like my brain like, like reset. And so I'm not on anything right now other than my ADHD meds. And but but what's uh, affirming about this is that like I went through like this, you know, like big end of a thing. Um, and uh, which, again, like it was our choice and it was uh, a time to do it. And it was, you know, for the right reasons. But it's still, you know, endings are hard and, 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 and it's a lot. And I think that I had like the right emotional response, but also what it didn't, you know, take me into any other bad places or anything. So um, that's that's yeah. my brief kind of update. Things are good. I, I cried when I listened to your yeah your message it was it was a tearjerker headliner yeah. yeah thing well thank you I mean I meant everything I said about that and and um you know all that emotion was real which was evident in my voice and all of that um but yeah you mm-hmm. know it's just um it, it's hard you know as we all know sometimes 
when things come to their logical conclusion. And it doesn't mean that like you're, you don't, aren't grateful for everything that happened and all that, but it can be a lot. And I'm just glad that that didn't, that, that in some universes could have had the potential to trigger other things. And so far, like it hasn't. So that's, that's a good thing. Uh, The thing though, that, uh, Jeff, Alex, and I do have to just like scream about though. And this is this is the reason I brought up Rocket as a segue was that now that I don't have a long running podcast that would have given me time to yell about this, I, I apologize <laughs> for using overtired as my soapbox here. I mean, you do have a podcast with Taylor Swift. I this genuinely <laughs> is like a mental health a thing for so many reasons. Oh God, you're so <laughs> right. Peace. Okay. Oh gosh. All right. So the background is is that the the New York fucking Times, the New York Times, the newspaper of record ran um, a, a, a guest opinion column from one of the opinion editors. So this is like a staff editor like at the New York Times who wrote this thing. And it's just going to talk about like that. guest host Christina Warren. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so weird. Called Look What We Made Taylor Do, which goes full Gaylor. And if you're not familiar with Gaylor, that is the conspiracy theory. And yes, I will use that word very like that, that term very specifically because it is that Taylor Swift is secretly gay and she has been sending her fans um, coded messages for 10 years about her, her or longer than that. Some of them claim going all the way back to 2006 she's been sending fans coded messages that she is actually not into boys named drew and steven and um uh you know joe alwyn and and her current boyfriend or anybody else but she's actually a a a woman loving woman and is very queer and is is we are all just too blind to see it um this absolutely belongs in a mental health corner yeah this is mental health Yeah, because this theory has been going on for at least a decade. I've been watching some of these people online for a decade plus at this point. And these are genuinely some of the most like unhinged and unwell corners of the internet I've ever seen, like genuinely. And and, and I I don't say that with affection. I say that with like actually a little bit of like disturbance because then it's made its way to TikTok and to YouTube and all these other things. And like young Mm -hmm. people are taking it as actual fact and it's it's not. This is like... QAnon, but for, you know, fandom stuff and mm-hmm. uh, like genuinely. And that was platformed this week by the New York Times in a 5,000 mm-hmm. word essay. Um, 5,000 words. It felt longer. It, it felt did. so much it, longer. It's so long. It it's felt like, it's, so much longer. I counted it towards the end and I was like, oh, that is still long. But Jeff I called it longer. exhaustive and exhausting. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what I said. It's exhaustive and exhausting. Definitely needed a better editor. Um, it, and it, it really, really, really wants everyone to think that Taylor Swift is not just gay, but has been sending this, as I said, hidden messages, expressing her gayness for years. And and I, I'm both kind of amazed. I, I'm mostly upset about this, but I'm also kind of amazed. I'm like, how in the fuck did this Tumblr discourse <laughs> get into the New York yep. Times? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I, I feel... I don't want to say I know because I don't want to go into the other conspiracy side thing of... Uh, <laughs> No, it is true. Like the New York Times does. New York Times. Oh, I apologize. That was a phone. Um, the New York Times doesn't exactly have a stellar history of covering queer people. Sure. And so when they need, uh, like, there they've got some tokens around and sort of just plop something in and like this is palatable, right? Right, right, right. This is oh Times Person of the Year, sure. <laughs> right. And reading this piece, I was just 
again, shocked at not just the Tumblr-ness of it. It, it was kind of funny to read a, a Tumblr post in, with the New York style. Yes. Like, Miss Swift. Miss right. Swift. Like, yes. It's okay. so funny. Easy it's so now. funny. You're yeah. like, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I, and I, I know the uh, Gaylor stuff has happened for a, a while, and it, it came to fresh off the wonder. I mean, you would know yes. more than one direction. Like yes, about, yeah, like that started the, it. Uh, Larry, God, yeah. Thank you, thank the, the, you. Yeah, the, I recently that, that, read that, a book that, about that. That that's really the portmanteau about uh, 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 Louis Tomlinson and Harry Styles, which um, alleges mm-hmm. that they were in a relationship together, and um, that that led up and included the fact that that, that Louis's actual child was a fake baby. There was a person on the internet who I used to follow, like I hate follow, but still, who like literally bought baby dolls that she would try to dress up oh, and make to boy. look like the photo, like recreate the photos of Louis Tomlinson's <laughs> actual child. Oh my goodness, that's like moon landing stuff. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. no, one thousand percent. And 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 the thing is, is that, yeah, but you're right. It started with 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 Larry, uh, and then the Taylor thing, like because, it always starts with a Larry. It does. <laughs> right. well, then what Leisure suit, Larry. And then Taylor Swift, Larry started, Page, and then Oracle. Taylor Swift started dating Harry Styles. And so the only way that the Larry fans could explain that was that not only was she his beard, but that he was also her beard. <laughs> so they they were bearding <laughs> for each other, and she was in a relationship with Diana Agron, who. Uh, was on the TV show Glee at the time, uh, which had a bunch of unhinged and young uh, queer mm-hmm. fans. Um, not to say that all queer fans oh. were unhinged, but to say all Glee fans were unhinged. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I I am saying that. And I watched Glee. So it was a, my favorite show to hate watch. I, it was, I, totally. It, it's the best. I have a question. <laughs> yes. Are, so, okay. So I'm completely outside of all of what you're talking about. Yes. Um, are the people who are... Um, kind of promoting these conspiracies of Taylor Swift being gay. Are they also queer? Some. And hoping for some like extra connection? Or are they straight and hoping for another reason to dislike Taylor? Oh, it's mostly uh, wanting the connection. And it's a mixture, I would say. It's mostly the most visible ones are queer, but you definitely have plenty of straight gaylers as well. And I definitely don't think that it's a to dislike thing. It's a I think it's two. I think it's one, to your point, hoping for an extra connection and wanting to view things through a queer lens, which I support. And I think that all art should be able to view through whatever lens you want. I think it's mm-hmm. completely different when you take an actual human being and you start putting your own conspiracy theories and interpretations sure. on their life because yeah. it's like she is the biggest star in the world. She's also a person. And that's why I think this article was so gross, was that it yeah. did not mm-hmm. it, it at all acknowledge that this is a real person. It literally treated it like fanfic, which I, I think was just completely yeah. yes. dehumanizing. Um, on, on, on every level. But I think that, that so I think some of it and is... It, yeah, not just to her, but the queer community yes. in general. As Correct. if being queer is just a, a way to stand same-sex situation. Like, it was so odd. Ugh. No, the whole thing... I was just curious about motivation. No, no, the motivation is usually, I think, to be close. And I think the secondary motivation is we know something you don't know. And we have the truth, and which is the same with a lot of conspiracy theories. I yeah, know what's really going on. Conspiracy theory one hundred and one. Yeah, I know yeah. what's really going on, and you don't look at me, come to me, and whatnot. And do your uh, research exactly. And and I think that, um, but but I do think, <laughs> yeah. that, but I think educate that, yourself. But I think the primary. <laughs> yourself. Oh, it, but it's interesting because because Gaylor's interesting because that was a great point you brought up, Alex. Like it did, it was a spinoff of Larry, and Larry is almost completely heterosexual women who ship that. Like that is almost completely straight women who 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 were part of that. And I don't even know if that's a, a thing anymore, but that was almost 100% 
young straight girls who were really into these, you know, two hot guys together, which is a, a fanfic trope in and of itself. Um, but then, you know, uh, Gaylor, which originally was, was, you know, with Diana Agron, but then it really took off with, with Carly Kloss, Kaylor, that was like more, more queer centered women, you know, at least, um, the vocal proponents of it. Mm-hmm. That That's when it really got to, to me, like, uh, before because i am not in oh gosh i have such a compliment complicated relationship with taylor swift that i don't know if i've talked about with you christina but pretty much especially with 1989 in the way that i interpret and love that album in a way i know she didn't write it mm-hmm. and but has been like oh man i like that's very much as a real uh, like for for me it's odd because i started i started listening first but my mom was such a huge country music fan that when i was a kid it's not that like i hated taylor swift but i was just like she reminded yes tim mcgraw she reminded Ah." you of stuff you didn't like right like it was like the music (laughs) that was like on the radio your mom would you know made you listen to you're like i don't like this totally right and it like and she was like around especially like i'm like i don't want to hear the song about 9-11 and then there's like this woman okay fine um and yeah you know um and then watching this young, I'm a little bit younger than her, but like seeing her progress and especially like 1989, mm-hmm. that was, oh God, that was when Iconic. I, 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 God, I, res- I, I don't think there's another parasocial relationship I have that it has one of like, God, so much respect and like, I, I, iconic of just even if I didn't enjoy any of her music, just the amount and stamina of her work mm-hmm. is shock. Shock. I, people have listened to this podcast. I, I know yeah. that you've said this many times. No, I love hearing you say also, it. Also, it, it, well, it, should, it should be repeated, not just because it's like, oh my God, there's this, whether you like it or not, there's this iconic art, but there's a. Uh, uh, I don't even want to say a single person making this. I mean, like, yes, exactly. It is a single person that this um, article is speculating on with fan fiction. And it's going to not just deeply affect her because it's fucking New York Times. Right. It affects her entire business. Like Taylor Swift talked about how she is a a business in a really, I don't know, I think like in a wholesome way, as odd as that might sound. Yeah. And I... It's just another commoditization of not just a woman, but an entire community. And it's once again affecting folks' livelihood who just want to go about their lives, who have nothing to do with this, who just don't. It's so it's just another instance of the New York Times making life more difficult for people I know. Like, it's so messed up that oh you can swear it is in the show right right yeah 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 shocked how fucked like this national newspaper continues to make like god like i know that saying an article about taylor swift is similar to its trans coverage my is is it is different but in the same casual way that it's presented yeah and it's like well it's an opinion piece it's just an opinion we're just asking the we're just asking questions well and then what's worse about this one is that is that it came from yeah it is to me what honestly makes this a little bit worse in some ways um well not worse but i guess different i I don't want to say worse but different from the trans coverage is that this one's coming from inside the house 
Like, right. this, oh, I think it is. It is worse. Right. It encourages, and that's super fucked up. That yeah. is super fucked yeah. up. Like, like this isn't something that someone pitched and that like an un you know knowledgeable editor stupidly let through. Like this is a person or someone of someone of note submitted and they felt obligated. Right. No, this, yeah. this this is a person who works as an editor in the opinion section who is probably you know the way I see it, they don't have any extremely online people who are between the ages of thirty and forty five working an opinion because if they did, then there's no way this gets published because I would think that any extremely online person between 30 and 45 would be like oh no this is insane and and (laughs) this is taking literally conspiracy theories from the most insane people like let's put aside the fact that let's say this is true and you've now just outed someone and basically told someone Mm -hmm. on no uncertain terms you have to come out for visibility because it's important to us oh and all you other queer artists which is amazing that's happening right now none of you matter the only one that matters and the only way that we will have any visibility that matters at all is if the biggest star in the world lives up to these these notions that we have which are completely unfounded but like putting all that aside like i think that you would have if you had like actually you know online connected people working in the opinion section they would be like no 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 the the people that propagate these theories are actually very unwell and are not healthy and and no matter how you want to interpret things yourself putting out an essay like this is is promoting the wrong things but you don't i'm assuming and so I, I this is just conjecture on my part is you take somebody who's like oh well we have this this queer uh, you know editor and and she already wrote this you know weird harry styles thing last year that got a lot of traffic so she's got this idea it's person of the oh, year that was Let's her too yes mm-hmm yeah. Okay, I have a leading question for you, Christina and Alex. If it were true, isn't it worse? Yes. I mean, it's terrible as yes. it is, but yeah. if it were true, isn't it worse in a yeah. certain yeah, I, way? All of it is terrible. Mean, yeah. It it just uh, God, and because a she she is queer, right? The person who wrote yes. this, I wasn't. Was I, I was question. so angry yeah. that I um like it. It just continues the narrative of. Uh, tokenizing queer people and uh like oh see look it, it was by erasure it was by er- and and, yep. and there god and i think christina this it, you can answer this question more but it again tries to put like it tries to paint it as if like well she could be bi but also like maybe not and also you know but she is a lesbian but you know uh remember when she was a token she's not a token it it's poorly written has a bad so argument bad written. so poorly written so poorly written i i mean i don't know christine like how, yeah how did that make you feel as someone who just you're a bi woman yeah. and like watching this just weird binary a proclamation like this woman is saying things as if it just applies to an entire community yeah. about a single person. about a single person yeah well the bi erasure thing is always a common thing in, in the in the gayler kind of universe mm-hmm. and because you know uh, there's because the whole theory really hinges on we know more than you and you've been lied to and we know the truth and so nothing can be you know, um, uh, real, right? It has to all, all of it has to be a snow job for reasons that make less and less sense. It's like even the article, which was very poorly written, talks about how how many strides you know queer artists have made, but then still like lives up to the basic conceit that the most powerful woman in pop culture couldn't come out of the closet if she wanted to. Like, come on, of course she could. Yeah, and 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 of course and, she it, could. It, no, it would be, seriously, it would be good for her business if you think about it. Like right now, to be like a a young like queer musician, like female musician. That is like 
brand catnip. Like you almost have to be like, it's almost one of those things. Like if you're not, that's kind of a problem to be completely honest. Like it, it works. Right. So she, and Taylor Swift loves money more than she loves anything else. So she would get more sales. She would get more streams. She would get like whatnot. Like I, I can't, there's no universe. More than she loves Johnny football. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know about that until Merlin Mann told me like, go with God, Taylor. I, I, I don't know who that guy is. And it's, I just am, I, I, I don't know. Like it would be so much, I get it. I, this random on the internet, get yelled at for not talking about being gay enough. It's, right. it's, it's uh, okay. very this is, weird. This is going to sound super <laughs> out of character for me. But I think Taylor Swift honestly loves creating oh, yeah. more than she loves money. Okay, she has been very that. fortunate to she has gotten a lot of money out of the deal. Um, but honestly, as I'm a stander by, I don't really give a shit. But it seems to me like she gets paid for doing what she loves yes. and what she loves is creating. No, and I would agree with that. I and don't think she makes a bunch of money grabs. I think she tries to own her work. No, I mean, I would agree like with that. Like all of her re-releases. Oh, totally. Anyway, no, yeah, no, 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 I sorry. agree with you. No, no, you're you're not wrong there. I'm, I mean, flipping, but I'm just saying she knows how to maximize, right? I think she she <laughs> creates first and foremost. She's the creator, but she knows how to maximize for profit. And I and I cannot see someone who has very deliberately and I think in a in a good way Way, like mind her personal life, you know, for her art. And, and I don't say that derogatorily at all. I'm actually really respectful of it. Mm -hmm. I think it's an amazing thing that she's done, um, as we talked about last episode. But I cannot see how like in this environment where that would get you more accolades, more streams, more sales, more whatever, that that would not be something that in the last five years would not have been part of the narrative if it were actually if any of this had any actual basis in reality. But the fact of the matter is, even if it does, it's none of our business. And it, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's in, yeah. it, it's it's gross yeah. to me that we're even having this conversation. A the buy ratio stuff I think is gross, but you know whatnot. But it, mm -hmm. but I also uh, love your opinion on this too, Alex. Like the binary and all of this, which is oh well, if you have if you act this way, then that is indicative of you being this type of of a person, and your sexuality has to be this. Like I'm sorry, weren't we supposed to be getting away from that? Like mm -hmm. what the fuck? Yeah. Like, like I, I worry about the fallout now for for boy genius because they're yeah. already fetishized for and and they openly celebrate their their queerness they do. as and, part of and, their art. Yes, and they openly will shit on their weird ass fans, which mm -hmm. which I appreciate. Like they will actually speak against it and be like, it, because like uh, apparently like last the year, Rolling Stone. Yes, yes. I'm like, oh, I love you all. Uh, totally, totally. When when Phoebe was basically like, yeah, some some of you assholes like bullied me, had my profile picture and bullied me on my way to my father's funeral. If you do that, I fucking hate you, and you you are not, you know, don't listen to my music. Hell yeah. Um, Taylor Swift is not that artist, but no, I agree with you. I worry for for and the, the some of the boy genius fans are insane, but but I think that band <laughs> deals with it a lot better. Um, mm -hmm. but also, you know, Taylor Swift shouldn't have to answer for any of this, but it's, uh, the, the, the CNN clapped back the through a, a person close to Taylor Swift, um, uh, AKA her publicist, Tree Payne. Um, <laughs> and, and basically let me find the, let me find the, uh, um, let me find the quote. So the headline is Taylor Swift's associates dismayed by New York times piece speculating on her sexuality, invasive, untrue, and inappropriate. And then I'm just going to read this. So just that this quote is. There's some shade here that I, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I kind of like it. Um, it says, um, uh, this article wouldn't have been a, a allowed to be written about Sean Mendez or any male artist whose sexuality has been qu questioned by fans. 
Oh, yeah. sure. <laughs> which, which is both true and also kind of a, a speculatory is that is that kind of like asking us all I mean is that kind of an invitation to be like write about the real homo I don't know um, <laughs> and, and who's it, to say who's to say I don't know I just feel like they decided to like get into the game yeah, a little bit a little bit but yeah no but but, but this is funny yeah. that, that a person close to, to to Taylor Swift like spoke with with CNN uh, so aka again her publicist but like yeah uh, the whole thing it's just I don't know how this got published, and it's it's insulting on because it's the New York Times. Like I I feel like I probably have the least amount of respect for the totally sure. folks here, and I I mean especially because of the staff thing. And Christina was going to disagree with you of like um, this wouldn't have been published if there were folks on staff who were at that age but then you you said like people who who aren't online because i do think the new york times pretty much hires a very specific type of person but then has them write about things that you, you we don't know this woman might not have wanted to write oh no she absolutely not did. an excuse oh, no 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 she wrote the but, Harry Styles thing okay. before she was made editor oh, that's when she, right. when she was no 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 no, no. Yeah, she's extremely yeah. online and she's into all this stuff she doesn't have social media which is probably good for her um well, <laughs> yeah her name but you know she's in every reddit tiktok whatever like she's she's part of yes. this right she's deeply mm-hmm. online but that's on like most of like i think that like most of them at least this is my experience and, and I'm probably, you know, being uh, too broad here, but most of the people I know who work at the New York times who are millennials are not extremely online. Now I think that for yeah. Gen Z, I think it's different. I think that like mm-hmm. the, the, the zoomers that are hiring probably are more online. And I, I, I but I definitely, the, there's a reason to me is like, if you had anybody on staff who was able to make decisions about stuff like this, who was extremely online, they would have been able to tell you in a second, this is a bad idea for X, Y, Z reason but you didn't have that. So you get like this boomer mentality. Oh yeah, this is what the kids like and this will be fine and this will give us representation. And there's nothing mm-hmm. offensive about this, even though the entire conceit is offensive and disrespectful and dehumanizing, um, uh, whether it's true or not. Um, and, and, but, but it's because no one like running the ship, in my opinion, is like, you know, unhinged in, in, mm-hmm. in a way that's necessary if you're going to run things like, or like stop things like this from running, I guess. Yeah, there's there's not like as someone who is uh, pretty unhinged myself at yes. times, like at least Same. I know when I'm missing the hinges. Right. You, you know, like yeah, yeah. you, you right, just right, got to right, be like, right. ah, yes, let me just screw this one in a little bit more. Whereas uh, there isn't anyone there who can do that. I just pictured right a door running off like you lose your hinges and you're just like, a door running off. <laughs> <laughs> I identify as a door. Sorry. Can I just add like the. One thing that's kind of separate from all this that I found just deeply, deeply problematic, which is the very first sentence in which they describe, they first talk about Taylor, the year she released her first record and then describe a suicidal act that is, if you don't know the person who's named and don't know whether she went through with it or not, which Mm -hmm. I didn't, is it she? Yeah, it's she and she did not. They don't make that clear. And she did not, which I learned later, but- I, this is a trope, this is a trope in true crime and it's a, and it's something terrible that they did in this article, which is to take a person you don't necessarily know, put them in a suicidal act scene and not tell you what happens as a way of investing you, but Mm -hmm. also as a way of setting stakes that are never explained. I mean, they're, they're explained. I understand what's happening there, but what a horrible thing to do. And that was the part where I had not read that this guest's opinion person was 
an opinion editor, even though it's right there. And I spent the rest of the article being like, who is the fucking editor for this? Mm -hmm. Only to get to the end and be like, oh, it's like your friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I get it. And I said on threads, like, I'm not even that much of a not that I don't uh, know that in a lot of cases, trigger warnings are important and uh, there is a time and place for them. But I'm not like a huge trigger warning person, but I'm like. The very first sentence gives a very graphic yes. description too, and I'm like, very graphic. What is very happening and right now? Gratuitous as shit. Gratuitous yeah. as shit and as grotesque shit. when you consider like you're taking a real person's real situation about her actual mm-hmm. life and about something that she went through, which was difficult for her to come out as a country music artist to tie into your fan fiction theory where you fetishize a real person as like not real so that you can what like play paper dolls like this is mm-hmm. this is yeah uh, uh, the whole thing is just and having having read the whole thing and been like wow this whole thing sounds like a really intense hurtful version of the moon landing theories <laughs> like where like you can imagine someone reading and being like well now that you say it. yeah um but like the crazy thing to me was that that very beginning for me should have meant that for I didn't read anymore, right? Like, except I really wanted to read this. If it, if you weren't saying, Christina, I want to talk about this on the show, I would have been like, oh, fuck you. Absolutely. I'm not reading another yeah. word. And then instead, I got 5,000 words of, oh, fuck you. I'm not reading another word, but I'm reading the next paragraph. Right. In the next paragraph. <laughs> this is intriguing to me because like some of the people that responded to Christina talking about Overtired are like, I, I like it. But I don't like the Taylor Swift. I but know. this isn't really about no. Taylor Swift. This is more about the New York Times. Yes. And and they have a history. Like their opinion section has a history of letting a lot of bullshit mm-hmm. get into print. And so I'm gonna I'm not gonna label this episode as a Taylor Swift episode because that's not really no, what it's, it's about. Really not. It's about no, I, it's I about bad journalism. I, I would be as if it, I might even be more offended, frankly, if it were a less famous person, right? Like I think if it were about me. Oh yeah. I mean like, seriously, yeah. like I mean I think the it's only, a hit job it no, is. no matter what. I mean I think the, honestly the only kind of saving grace you can make at all about this in terms of just it's I mean I think it's bad to platform these ideas and to get this stuff into fruition and, and maybe encourage it about other people and like it's it's problematic and 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 disturbing in a lot of ways. But I mean the only thing I can kind of say about this is that like okay this is the most famous person in the world things are going to be said and whatnot uh, you know so so it's it's I, I don't worry about any harm to like taylor swift as a person right like sure like whatever but in the new york times but in the new york times like do we really need to as i said take some of the most unhinged and unhealthy people i've ever observed on the internet not the most but some of the most and like let's just platform all those opinions and like let's just right. bring this into a conversation yeah let's just yeah. talk mm-hmm. about this what the fuck mm-hmm. this is like Again, this is like QAnon shit. Like yeah. they're just yeah, asking you, the questions. It's just, it's just the like, opinion sex. Uh, that's like twi- that's like Musk's approach to Twitter of like it's a uh, what at free speech absolutist. We yeah. say whatever we want, but it's coming from the inside, yes. as Jeff said. Yeah. And it, it's so messed up. And let's not forget to mention the more than a dozen ads inside of that. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> I got the good they, ad blockers. A lot of money I was gonna say, I was, I was gonna say, you block version works real well for me, and I pay for the New York yeah. Times. <laughs> um, so you know, I, I, okay. Uh, s- side note, I have two side notes. Can I? I, I'm gonna interject. Yeah, one on I the know, right, one on the left. I know Jeff Jeff has to leave soon, but I'm okay. I'm, I'm number one. I finally got my Raspberry Pi for 
and I'm going to set up pie hole for my house. Oh, using hell yes. It. Side note, si- second side note. I talked in a previous episode about my own suicidal ideation. Yes, I wanted to get an um, from you on that. And Christina said, this is clearly a med problem. And it turns out it was. I talked to my psychiatrist. I did a special session with her outside of a regularly spe- scheduled sessions. Up my lamictal a little bit. And honestly, like all of that ideation is gone. Oh, I am goodness. back to... Wow. I am back I'm to so my so normal, glad. slightly depressed, but not suicidal self. Thank God. Um, so anyone who was following that, I got a lot of letters after that episode. Um, for anyone who's following that, I am okay. Everything is everything. Like when you're okay, those kind of I those thoughts, those ideas seem so distant. Yes. Um, That's like you can't imagine. It. Yeah, exactly. And that's what's so scary when you're in it because it feels so real. It feels so real and you can't remember what it's like outside of it. I mean, I think that's why depression is such a mind fuck because when you're in it, that's a black hole is how I always describe it. When you're in it, you can't remember what it's like to not be depressed. But then when you're not, you underscore like how bad it is and and you don't, it it seems so far away. Mm -hmm. And so it can creep up on you suddenly, like slowly. And then all it's, it's, you know, everything everywhere all at once. Uh, you know, to quote last year's best film, um, and 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 you're like, what that the fuck, good. you know? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But I'm okay. Good. Thanks to everyone Yay. for your your letters of support and concern and checking in on me. Um, Brian, friend of the show, checked in on me multiple times. All of my Facebook friends checked in on me. I got emails. It was uh, heartwarming, and I just want to let everyone know I'm okay. It's fantastic. Hey. Right. That's another reason I love this show is because you are able to talk about these things and not, I don't want to say not cause a panic, but because <laughs> there is such a stigma around talking about suicidal ideation and attempts, it's so easy to be labeled as the suicide person Mm -hmm. and uh, Uh, it's in uh, i i mean that because i've been in those situations so many like it is difficult to talk about because i think right because you talk about it so often people know to check on you and to take care of you but with a level of respect and don't take away your agency as a a person you know Mm -hmm. and uh thank you for talking about that and adjusting your medication (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i do the best i can uh yes did you mean this is a hard hard turn but it's still one of your side uh quests did you mean raspberry pi five or four (laughs) four (laughs) It's a four. Four, okay. okay. I, I didn't I know there a, was a five. There was a five. I, had the I same, didn't know there was five either. Oh, Jeff, I had the same question in my mind. It's, I, it's insane. It's like basically now a, it's like a full M1 computer. MacBook. Yeah. I, was, yeah. I, was on, I was on a waiting list for like yeah. six months. Yeah, they weren't able to make waiting them. For oh, another... dude, I had five of them here. I should have sent you one. Oh, <laughs> so one finally showed up and I already had cases. Mm-hmm. Oracle gave us like as swag, they gave us uh, B4 cases. Uh, or whatever four it's something four um and i had the case so i wanted the four to fit in the case mm. um i don't know if it would change between four and five like th- literally this is my first raspberry pi um i'm exploring i'm watching a ton of youtube videos and all the shit i can fun. do with it yeah you're gonna have a great time um, i'm gonna set up home assistant and pie hole are my my plans for it 
Um, but now that I know there's a five, I got to get on a waiting list for that now. Too. Honestly, I feel like the five takes away a little bit of the fun as much as I want one. Yeah, like, I have a few fours. It, it was always going to get to the point yeah. where it's like, okay, well, now it's like a Chromebook, but better. Like, right. the, whereas like... <laughs> Uh, the four was the very edge of that when it started getting like eight gigs of of memory. Yeah, and, and I do have I do I do have a number of fours. Um, I have like two of, two or three of them. Um, and I got them like I got most of them like before the pandemic, and then that was the thing. Nobody they couldn't produce them enough, and I think that's actually the main reason why like the five is kind of even a thing. It's like okay, it's actually net easier for us to just make a new thing than to try to like get the supply mm. or you know organized for um the 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 four. Um, they are backordered a little bit from some of the retailers, but it's like a mid-January thing, depending on, on on when you're wanting to to get them, depending on who you're getting it from. So they're not, it's not impossible the way that it that it was with the fours. Um, but um, that's a good segue for you, Jeff. And I don't know if you have time to talk about your Synology stuff because a lot of the things <laughs> that that you want to do in your Synology are things that Brett wants to do with his Pi. Yeah, but we didn't but. give Alex a shot yes. at the mental health. Oh, sorry yet. about that. Oh God! I uh, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, uh, uh, from like Dubai Friday, folks. Listen, most will will know that's been like twenty twenty three was probably like I, I describe it as not the worst year of my life, but definitely the loneliest year, which I didn't know until the end, and definitely self inflicted uh, loneliness mm. with the. Uh, this is a weird way to say something was a highlight, but for from January to April, we I was like taking care of uh, my cat who has now passed away from cancer, and that was kind of what grounded me and gave me it. It pushed away a lot of uh, suicidal ideations and, and plans, and was like, oh some someone needs me again this is something to focus on yeah yeah Uh, and then after that it was a big crash this is also the first time i've lost a pet not from old age and i i think yeah brett was even in town and i couldn't couldn't, Mm -hmm. uh see you because i'm like oh that was kind of like when she was really like oh oh it was time um and uh, yeah it's it's but you know she was uh, well, I mean, obviously the best cat in the world, but um, being able to main like maintain a member of my family's quality of life for as long as possible was something that really gave me an, a, an intense amount of meaning that I didn't expect to be gone afterwards, expected grief and relief. Um, and mm. it, it was, you know, inside like grief and d- despair. And you can see the like decline of everything I made from uh, like, it was <coughs> really good when my cat had cancer. And then it would just plummeted from uh, April until really, really now. Uh, and, uh, it was another one of those things where I, I mentioned being having that self-inflicted l- loneliness, but also the, uh, again, desire to not take Lamictal to get that high of not uh. being depressed and, you know, just finding a way to get up in, in the morning. But in the past couple i i didn't have like a manic episode and get a new cat i i promise people were worried about that (laughs) but we um a friend of mine was like hey 
um, this, I found this cat and she's been returned multiple times to the shelter, but I think she was perfect for you. And uh, so, so we got a new cat who is a little terror and, and perfect. Um, and it's not, I, I don't want to say that this cat, like, inc- totally improved my mental health, but it reminded me how much it is a, a one unhealthy t- to need to be needed and that is like i i i know that my partner like needs me and i when i am sane it's, I, I rationally know how heartbroken people would be without me but um accepting that i have a desire to need to be needed whether that be at at my former job with my relationships or uh now i'm like okay i want to channel this into something that uh yeah i got this little little kitten um that i am taking care of that has made me get out of bed in in the morning but i'm going about it in a healthier way realizing that oh this is a great way to focus on mental health but i'm not going to let it devolve into i need that meaning in my life just because I want to make uh, people happy. Like it, it makes me happy to make my family happy, not the, the other way around, which has led to me, I think again, making, ugh, I know it's gross to call podcasts art sometimes, but I've oh. been back to making, and making Do it. Do it. Uh, just, just uh, different weird art stuff not because I want to please people and not because I'm so afraid of letting them down, which I feel like I've let everyone down through all of 2023, despite mm. everyone saying that uh, the opposite, even though I am uh, <laughs> difficult when I say difficult to deal with um, pe- uh, people. I, I think a lot of folks know what I mean in the way that uh, uh, when someone is very depressed, it is difficult to deal with them mm-hmm. just because they don't have expectations of themselves and you don't know how to handle that. And like, you don't know if you should put expectations on them or when someone's manic and they either exceed expectations or uh-huh. just completely blow them off. It's a mm. roller coaster, which is yeah. why I'm, sort of having a hard time putting this into a cohesive You're doing great. mental health, health corner type of thing because it's like I am slowly emerging from my mental health corner and exploring the whole room uh, in the past <laughs> yeah. in, in the past few weeks but uh, I'm I'm doing really well Le- less of uh not happy to to hear that Brett was going through uh, what Brett was going through next week uh, last week but it or a few a few weeks ago um and I don't know I've just been reaching out to folks as well um and again being like I know you don't need me I just like that we are friends and um yeah. uh, Starting to like myself a little bit more, which is such a cliche thing yeah, well, to that's, say. Oh, but no. you, you talk about how hard it is for people to deal with depressed people. But I feel like 
when you're depressed, you feel so hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just assume that no one else can deal with you because mm-hmm. like I found myself in that position um, in my last round of depression, just like who the fuck could stand me right now? I am mm-hmm. unlovable. I am. Yeah. I am a, p- a piece of shit. Like mm-hmm. who could love me? Um, and it may not be as hard as you think mm-hmm. for the people who love you to deal with you as it seems when you're in the middle of depression. Yeah, I I go into the binary thinking that you were t- talking about before of like, of course, it's uh, d- dealing with not not even dealing with like having and uh, maneuvering relationships with folks who have any sort of mental illness or disability and pretty much everyone is difficult but there's so there's so much nuance and there's you know a difference not just for every person but for every situation but you know you, you Christina like you said you're just in that depth that you you don't remember what it's like when you're uh, above the water. It's you just have the binary thinking of the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. But uh, it, I, I don't know. Past few, I'm, I'm trying though. This is uh, this is another thing that it, it feels gross when you're bipolar. Is sometimes people will assume when you're doing better, it might be a manic episode. Yes. And oh my god. Yes. <laughs> this is the thing. This is the thing. That yeah. That's that's sort of my main thing now is being like, look, I am measured. I'm not taking on too much. This is not like yeah, we know when we're stable. Thing. We can yeah, tell you like, when we're stable. See, I I don't always know that. Really? Yeah. So don't I yeah. yeah yeah. So okay, it's, that's interesting. I, I'm very aware of that myself. Yeah, it's. I think that's because it's one of those things where, because being bipolar is sort of my main thing or or my main diagnosis that other symptoms stem from my brain is just wired in a certain way um and i this is also can vary from folks who are bipolar one and bipolar two like because of the bipolar oneness that it your extremes you you kind of, for me i know when i am ramping up or like coming yes down but i don't in the midst of it know it all even you're if bi- i realize you're bipolar one yeah so, and jeff is bipolar one yeah okay you got you guys have more in common than with me okay <laughs> it's a fun one <laughs> that that's why people think that you're on cocaine and, sure yeah exactly you're, you're not just yeah i have a lot of diet coke i love that and and (laughs) oh man aspartame if they took that away from me like i i understand uh, people who are addicted to nicotine um uh, like if if aspartame was taken away from me i would oh god i'm i would be creating my own uh silk (laughs) from your from your from your cold dead hands yes (laughs) (laughs) that's that's it thank you for listening that's really helpful (laughs) thank you alex that was really good yeah Yeah. that's super helpful and that's a good one i don't know how much time you have jeff but do you i'm 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 in it for the graptitude you kidding me hell yeah all right Mm. And the Synology topic, we'll we'll hit another time, but I'm going to ask Alex this. So I've had a Synology for a while, and I I wrote in the show notes a little thing about this, which is like, 
using my synology feels a little bit like like if you had a new stepdad who is like kind of forward thinking but kind of locked in the microsoft universe with just a little bit of flirtation with linux like that's how it feels to me to be using that's so good. uh whatever dsm7 or whatever it's called not dsm <laughs> DS, is it called dsm i think it is called dsm operation? that's correct <laughs> yeah, yeah. by the way I, I, have a, I have a therapist friend who recently told me he was reading dsm1 and i was like is that like reading the old testament <laughs> but anyway yeah. um, but but uh I I met Brett and Christina told me about something called Download Station, which I know everyone knows about. It seems like if they have a Synology as a way of doing my torrents that I don't have to keep my laptop open. And I was like, it's one of those things where I'm like, wow, I have a Synology and I wasn't using it for this. And I need to figure out all the other ways to use it um, while also letting my stepdad know he's not my real dad. Um, (laughs) And so, Alex, just a lightning round here. What is like two, what are two things that like you use your Synology for that you're like, wow, my life would be very different without these things. My technological Hmm. life. (laughs) Honestly, the biggest thing for me is just the, the backup and storage. I underestimated how much I would use, I guess the dumb features of Synology that aren't big, fancy VPN Casey list style stuff. But I will say the second feature is possibly the best feature of Synology, which is having friends who also use Synologies <laughs> and can uh, give you advice for when you inevitably break it or give you ideas yes. on cool things to do with it. And I previously for, oh, I, I also use it for uh, Plex, but I had yes. a Usenet account with, uh, forget what i use so sonar or and radar radar, and all all that good stuff but i or all the the, all the extra r's oh is that because it's pirate is that why there's an extra r is it it? i've never thought of that oh that's amazing (laughs) that just sounded on at least two of us at the same time (laughs) that's adorable yes (laughs) oh man and i I, as much as i uh, adore transmission i was listening to an older episode of overtired and i was like wait what's down what what and so i am tinkering with that because it's more manageable mm-hmm. or at least it's more in my wheelhouse so i don't need to be texting uh, casey at 10 p.m being like hey yeah. can i use your flex <laughs> to uh, w- watch this concert right now, please? <laughs> um, it has great search capabilities that's what that's what differentiates it for me. totally just, that, i totally agree cool. finding yeah. yeah. So I, I guess that I am a uh, like I'm I'm more distant from my stepdad, I, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> but I'm trying to, like you, build up that relationship. What do you yes. use for what do you how do you back up to your Synology? What do you use? Uh, I don't even know. In fact, I and I can't even look because my current uh, or my MacBook Pro is at uh, Apple right now being oh, no. torn apart for reason. I know. Uh, I have to say, my friend, let me borrow a uh, M2 MacBook Air. Mm-hmm. And other Ugh. than for encoding and, and doing um, 3D, 3D video editing, even pr- like 4K editing is pretty solid. Is. And yeah. nice without uh, like without using proxy media and stuff. Stuff. So yeah, I don't remember. I will Casey say, me like, set it up. <laughs> I use I use Synology Drive to back up my entire user folder. I use Arc to back up specific uh, external drives to my Synology as a that's, that's a double backup. And I use Time Machine. I use my Synology as a Time Machine destination. Um, so between the three, 
it has saved my ass just in the last couple months. Uh, mm. A few times I've been able to find revisions and versions and and save external hard drives um, just from having this like triple backup to my Synology. I didn't know time time machine counted that that was my or- original thing. But I need to know. I I also just drag uh, my my. I do that directory too. Sure. into the drive i don't have it automated yet and i know i that totally I do that i know that i should but i'm just like let me just um. <laughs> yeah totally do that <laughs> this can be automated mm-hmm. <laughs> all right awesome. should we do a grab two before jeff has to take off yeah can i go first in case yes. i yeah. do have to yeah. bail in the midst of it um okay so mine is datum D-A-Y-T-U-M, which is both a website and an iPhone app. Um, And I I love it. And it's a way, like what I like about it, it's a way to track all kinds of stuff, but it's stuff that you decide you want to track. And um, and so for instance, like I'm tracking a lot of stuff that is like, if I'm not doing these things, it probably means I'm not doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm so far in the first week of 2024 doing a good job of like tracking that stuff. But it also involves like, I'm tracking like contact with my parents. Cause I kind of tend to disappear from my parents a little bit. I don't really want to. Um, and so if I've like been physically with my mom or like have been on the phone with my dad who doesn't live here, like I just kind of mark it. So I can just see like, wow, it's been a long time. Cause I think time this is something I think maybe goes along both with some sort of dissociation stuff I've dealt with most of my life, but also bipolar, which is like time disappears. Um, and it's really oh, hard Jeff for people. About this sometimes. It's so hard for people you're in relationship with to believe that and understand mm-hmm. it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you have responsibility, but it's like, not like that. It's not such a simple thing as responsibility. Stepdad. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, what I really love about data and one, like my requirement for any of this stuff is that I'd be able to export my data in like a CSV somewhere, right? Like, or whatever format. Um, but so every other tracking app is, is designed in a way that every design choice is a value judgment. Like as soon as you start making an app pretty, which this one is not, you're making value judgments. You're either making a value judgment of a color that suggests, yay, nice work, right? Or maybe you're getting worse and you're putting fucking confetti on there and haptics and shit. Oh, <laughs> but like, but well, uh, haptics are good, but no, haptics you- are great. I mean, I love it. No, don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> I've used those apps where when I marked like that, I took a shower. They're like, yay, bzz, bzz, bzz. Uh, I'm like, oh, yes. Man. I did a great job today. Um, but anyway, I, I need appreciate, that. I appreciate, no, I, I love that, but I also appreciate <laughs> that this thing feels really steady because there is no value judgment. It's just what you assign to the thing. Right. Um, and I think there are accidental value judgments in design. Right. Of course. Like, and so yeah, I have yeah. just loved it for that. And you know, it's like updated enough. It was like twice last year and like four times the year before, like, um, and it also seems like the kind of thing that could probably like live quite a while past the developer deciding to update it because <laughs> it's like he had simple abandoned, enough. Yeah, he had a, not not abandoned, but he had uh, it, it, it had been like not languishing for a, a while, but it, it was inactive. And I, I, it sounds like you you started when like development had picked up again. I started is- this week. Yeah, he, he, the the guy yeah. I, the guy who makes it is really cool. Like he designs it to be like, if I abandon this, I want it to be able to go on, which Amazing. is great. Yeah. So yeah. it's it doesn't just seem that way; it is that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic! Fantastic. Cool. That's my choice. Awesome. I do, have you ever used um, shit? What is it? Um, oh, I totally blanked. 
and I can't remember the name of it. We're just going to make a pointless. Uh, exist. Exist.io. Exist.io. No. Oh, yeah. I remember exist.io. They let you set up like custom yeah. tags. To, it's not It's not going to be equal to data. I'm not suggesting it as an alternative, um, but you can track all kinds of metrics uh, on a daily basis. And it reminds you to basically journal with tags. Yeah. And the and the tags add ticks to whatever metric you want to track. Um, it's a pretty good like and then you get like weekly, monthly, and yearly reports from it, which I That's appreciate. Nice. Yeah. One thing outside of like life tracking I do with this that I like is like so in the last two weeks, our oven, our fridge, and our washing machine have broken. And so I have a, I have a thing. I, I have a thing. I, I have a thing I follow just called broken. I have like created an item called broken, uh, but it's really just for when things that's break. Also, and then there's so one good. called fixed for when things, which could also be used for mental health, I guess. But like, um, but I'm using it just to be able to track like, wow, that a lot of shit broke this year and it took us like this long to fix it. But like, we got through it. Oh, that's 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 all. I just yeah. bought a new fridge. I like that. Um, I like that I need, a lot. Actually. I need a new washer and dryer. I understand. Yep, we're, I'm leaving to buy a washer after this podcast. So anyway, have fun at have, Alex, have, have fun at Lowe's. Thank you, yeah, <laughs> Alex. Will you go because I have to bail soon, and I want to make sure I hear yours. I uh, well, the, very similar to yours. I think when I was on this uh, around the last time, I talked about when did I, which is an app that just reminds you, or rather it does not remind you. You just make a note of the last time you did something. So uh, I would be like, yep, called my mom. Uh, today I called my grandma. Uh, this is <laughs> used it to track how often I need a haircut, which is very, very often. I'm tracking um, <laughs> my haircut in datum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, just because it was more... Uh, it, it was simpler than datum. And when I uh, was having a real broken brain time, I just needed something so simple. It, it, the kind of way that, you know, it, it, like datum, I would get into the weeds of myself. And, uh, but what yeah. was great with, with um, what, uh, when did I, is I could then import it to datum. And oh, so nice. the thing that I am super, uh, for um a new ish app called chronicling uh from rebecca owen that's based pretty much completely off of swift and i think it is pretty but it, it really is sort of bare bones in sort of like the the default iOS uh, well I guess not but the crossover of iOS Mac OS um and iPad OS and I'm just been experimenting oh, cool. yeah I I've been experimenting with it as another way to track data but more importantly a, a way to experiment with bringing the datum info in and my when did I info and looking at the different correlations and whatnot plus it is the easiest way to for for me it's been the easiest way to get that informa information out and put it into chat gpt and find mm, yes. correlations J just yeah, in the way the exporting it just just works with my brain correlations in a are the thing like what's the point of all this data we collect if we can't right. create the correlations which exists right. as a decent job of 
but I've always, I've wanted more control and I've never gotten into like creating like our programs to like create these like very custom correlations. So anything that right. can create easy correlations and, and if you can incorporate chat GPT and create those correlations, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's my like custom. I guess I'm very, very grappy that people are making a lot of custom GPTs specifically for this. And that's what I've been working on just for, for myself. And it's already been been huge. I like oh, this. Awesome. I like this adjective, grappy. I like that too. Grappy. That's a good one. Well, that was inspiring. Thank <laughs> I'm you. Super uh, grappy about this. Everybody, I have to leave. I'm gonna come back and listen to the other graptitudes. Uh, I am graptiful to you, Alex. It's been wonderful <laughs> having you. Um, you're, you're just the best. So no, thank you, everybody. I'm gonna best. like duck out. <laughs> Thanks we'll for being it. my we'll BP one buddy. <laughs> That's right, BP one buddy. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Um. Christina, do you want to go? Sure. All right. So my pick is um, Screens 5, which is the the latest yes. release of, of Screens. Ah. So this came out uh, last month, and I didn't even know about it at first, uh, I think because... Because um, it, it didn't show up on, on Setup. Right. They, they pulled leave, out of Setup. Because it's leaving Setup. It's now a Mac um, App Store-only um, app. And so if you have Screens on Setup, it'll still work. But if you uninstall um, at a certain point, it'll it'll stop uh, being available to, to reinstall for you and whatnot. So it's it's going away, which is a shame. Um, but I do understand, like, you know, they, they got to make business decisions that they've got to make. Um, but, yeah. but, but Screens 5, I did go ahead and upgrade to that. And um, and I like it. I think the, the new design is really good. And I honestly, I just really wanted to support um, uh, Adovia because uh, this is an app that I've used for a long time. If you're not familiar with it, I think this is the best way to basically be able to remote into another Mac um, from yes. wherever you are. Like, obviously, you can use things like Tailscale and you can SSH in and you can have, you know, remote, um, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, access set up on, on your Mac and all that. But it it's still kind of a hassle. I think that, that screens yeah. is like the best kind of all in one way of doing it. You need your VNC. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so you can use it. Um, it's now a universal app, so it'll work on, you know, Mac on window, uh, Mac on, on, oh. on um, iPad and iOS, all part of the same subscription, or you can buy like, I think it's like a hundred bucks is I think what it was to basically say, I want to buy like a lifetime for the lifetime of version five. Um, and it has family sharing, so, you know, you can share it with people too, but, um, I, I really like the design. Um, like I said, I went ahead and I, I think it had been, you know, like, like, like four or five years since version four had come out. I definitely, uh, was one of those things where I was like, well, I, I definitely got like my money's worth, even though I had it through setup, you know, I think I might've bought one of the mobile versions or something, um, that way, um, if you have set up, if you have it already, if you've bought, bought it in the past on, on any platform, they're giving you like 50%. And I think even through setup, yeah. they're giving you like 50% off your first year um, for, for, for the subscription. So that's actually um, pretty great. I went ahead and did the lifetime thing. Just I took the gamble that it'll be X number of years before it'll be a major release again. And it might not. I might have, you know, done better to just pay yearly. But it's a lifetime only for the current version. I'm pretty sure. It's not. That's not lifetime. That's version time. Actually, I don't know. I'm gonna, no, I'm going to defend that because if it's I've used screens for for so long that I would have paid, I think, a hundred bucks. I agree. Wait, well, I don't know. I was like, God, how long has it been around for? But I I almost I, I kind of want to ask. It's like, hey, what's the best way to use your app that you get the most 
money and, yeah. I, and I never know <laughs> no totally but, yeah. well, I, actually and it's $75 I was wrong so it's $75 it's $25 oh. for the yearly subscription $75 for lifetime or $3 a month um and um and like I said includes family sharing in with it which is good um if you've got like you know uh, uh other people that you're wanting to do it with um and you're right I mean it, it the app is called screens five so I don't know when screen six comes out, if they will just like put like a different version in the app store or what, I don't know. But to, to, to Alex's point, like I've gotten enough value out of this that I honestly yeah, just kind of want to support them. Right. So I use, I use screens almost every day. Yeah, like I have same. multiple headless minis in my basement. Yeah. And like, I don't attach monitors to them. I just, <laughs> I have I multiple headless minis in my basement. <laughs> I, I screen, I use screens to control all of my extra machines. You know, that's the thing. I use screens when I'm on the road and I want to yeah. get to, like, I can, you know, manipulate my Plex through my home studio, my Mac studio on the road using tail scale and screens yeah. and yeah. And, that, and that, that's, that's Great. one of the new things that are going to be, it already works with tail scale. You can already get it working, but that's one of the things that uh, is going to be coming with the screens connect five is that it'll actually work even better with tail scale because they know a lot of people are nice. doing that. So yeah. anyway, I I'm, I'm happy uh, with this app. It, 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 I use it all the time too. Like it was great when I was um, uh, visiting my parents over uh, the holiday because I needed to get something off of my iMac um, uh, for, uh, we needed to check something. Basically there was a file that I was like, shit, I forgot to get this and I haven't uploaded this anywhere. So I was able to connect to my iMac, upload the file, you know, remotely to Dropbox yep. and then, and then grab it off. Um, and, and like, that's something that like, otherwise, like it'll always help you in a pinch. Totally. That's when it's best. That really is. It's and, in a pinch. and that was one of those things where I was like, I don't know how I would get this file otherwise. Like, and like, it's, it's possible that hadn't happened that the, the final episode yeah. of rocket that also included for rocket boosters, <laughs> uh, a three hour bonus podcast of Simone and I watched the movie her together. That might, that wouldn't have happened because the audio of me, of my recording, um, Simone's recording, uh, Simone, uh, like Riverside had my audio on it, but the problem was I'd also recorded the audio of the movie and I was like, that's an important thing to be able to have to intersect here as we're like watching this together. And I didn't upload this and I'm a dumbass. <laughs> and how am I going to get this? So uh, screens, screens for the win. Um, and uh, and congrats to them. Um, I, I think now they're at like 13 years. The app has been around. And so, um, wow. uh, you know, definitely like we all remember those days when Apple used to have a pretty good native built-in solution. Remote desktop. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, not even that. But I don't remember. Well, it, when was that? Like, like pre-OS, like Lion. They, they, like they had a lot. Oh. Like there were those things, and also if you had the server skew, like you could get it mm -hmm. on the server tools. Like they were some built-in stuff that was really good, and then they just slowly over the years have like neutered the hell out of that. And, yep. um, and so, oh, one thing I will say too, um, and I think this is free and they renamed it, it's called screens assist now, but if you've ever got a family member who's got something going on with their Mac and you're like, yep. I don't know how to help yeah. you. And I cannot with you right now to make you enable, you know, sharing and all that stuff and try to find a way to log into your, get you an install mm -hmm. tail scale. Like this is going to be a, a disaster. You can use screens assist, which will basically, they'll download something. It'll set up the right settings for them. They'll get um, a generated link that'll, you know, they can then share with you. And then you can use your screens app to log into their, you know, machine and help them out. And that Honestly, is fucking great. It's the uh, clipboard sharing and the drag and drop file transfers yeah. are like, it's, rem I feel like 
uh, remote desktop in the past was able to do it was this I, I think it was now I think it was yeah I think you're right but with screens honestly I can drag a file from my local desktop yep. onto a screens desktop and it's just there it's done I don't have to handle any file transfer stuff I can copy something I can copy a link from my web browser locally and then just go to my screens desktop and paste it into Safari and have it on that remote machine it's it's perfect. Seamless. Smooth. I love it. Yeah. Getting screens five right now. Hell yeah. <laughs> I've been using four. I'm still on I'm still on four and I'm working with them to set up a giveaway on brettterpshire.com. Nice. Um, which I currently have booked out through next September. Wow. Um, but yeah, I have so many devs on board. Um, but yeah, like I'm hoping next year we'll do a screens uh, one year license giveaway. But uh, hey, ask them, ask them, um, ask them if they have any interest in, in maybe doing something for overtired. Maybe we could do an overtired giveaway. A sponsorship? A sponsorship, yeah. Yeah, I'll ask. I'll see. They, they, they seem hesitant to do sponsorships. I understand that. I'm just, we'll saying, see. I'm just saying, even, even, even a giveaway. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, whatever. All right. So my pick for the week is uh, BB Edit 15, which may be out as this episode is published, but as of today, it is not yet. Um, it depends on the weather, I'm told. Um, I had a chat. <laughs> I had a chat with Rich Siegel. Um, it was fun. the The woman who does press for Rich uh, Naomi is married to Sal Segoyan. Oh yeah. Um, oh, amazing. How's that doing? Yeah. Uh, good. He seemed very good because like Rich was late and Sal had just come home from like running to the pet food store or whatever. Um, because not because they have pets, but because they feed the squirrels and the birds. Um <laughs> that's lovely. But uh it feels like such a it But really I had does, I had a com- oh. I had a conversation with Sal like off screen that was it was it was it was heartening. I it was fun. I love hearing from Sal. Um, but I talked to Rich and we talked about like the major features coming up in uh, BB Edit 15 and one that was of particular interest. I don't know if anyone here has used BB Edit 14. Yes. Uh, but it has mm-hmm. this idea of worksheets um, and it has like it loads up almost an REPL, like a REPL for like terminal. And you can just type in commands and get the output on the page and it's like a, an interactive interface and he set one up for chat GPT. So you can have a conversation mm-hmm. in a document, literally like the document just kind of writes itself and you can ask it to write you code. You can ask it questions. Oh, you can ask yes. it to summarize. Ah! Them. And then you oh, can, my God. and it has like it, it defaults to outputting as markdown. So all of the code it <gasps> outputs for you has angle brackets as quotes uh, but B- BB Edit has a specific feature for copying text without markdown quotes. So you can just turn that right into code you can copy oh paste. Um, yeah, it has. Plus, he's I'm adding. So happy. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. He's adding cheat sheets. Uh, so, like, it comes with like a markdown and a BB Edit clippings cheat sheet. But these are configurable with JSON files. So he's going to build tools <gasps> that let you build your own cheat sheets that can be available anywhere in BB Edit. Oh, I mean, BB Edit honestly God. is the most venerated text yeah, editor, is. even more so than TextMate. Oh, like, uh, way, it is, way more. I mean, it's totally different, right? It's mm-hmm. the OG. Like it's been around for 30 yeah, years. It is. 
I don't. And it has continually gotten better. It has. I don't use it for everything, and it's not even my primary. But yeah, I buy either. it. I buy it every you know yep. two years or mm-hmm. however long that base comes out. It yep. is one I always get because well, there's always something so I need to do that only it can do. The one right. The one right. thing that you could sell anybody on is if you have a five megabyte yes. text file. If you have a hundred megabyte it's text file, bam. BB Edit will open yep. it and it will fly through it. If you need to edit, no a other list. text editor can do that. Yeah, if you need to edit. Yeah. a p-list if you need mm-hmm. to edit but yeah yep. i was gonna say my main thing is there will be files that will either be weird or be big or it'll be something but usually it's a size thing yep. and it's like i use vs code for almost everything um mm-hmm. but there you know and and it does pretty well with with you know normal sized files a hundred megabyte text file it is not going to do well with and um it, most text yep. editors textmate did not do well with that and yep. um you know uh, sublime none of those but 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 but, I was gonna but, say, but Sublime was whew, yeah. disaster with the big boys. Absolutely. But BB Edit yeah. will. BB Edit. And, and at, you know, and it's still um, innovating. And, and I, I have like when, a, you know, I think the company turned 30 or whatever, like I bought one of their shirts. It was like, still doesn't suck. And it's like, <laughs> fuck yeah. And between, between 14 and 15, the LSP, the Language Server Protocol, has improved um, in in significant ways. So things like code completion and code highlighting are also like like one of the reasons to use VS Code or Sublime is the LSP. Yeah. Um, and and BB Edit has gone to great lengths to to incorporate that kind of code completion. Yeah, I was trying. Um, I was trying to like get them like officially like partnered with with um, um, Copilot, um, and yeah. and that's just yeah. it, it, we're. I think that the, the the focus is just on, on you know jet brains and like other big things, but yeah. but Vim because NeoVim rather um, has like uh-huh. a, a copilot integration and people have taken that LSP and been able to use it for other things. So I sent that to Rich. Um, I'm pretty sure um, I'll have to follow up again and be like, you did see this right because that's actually open source. So there are some copilot like things you know that you can bring in even if you are not on yeah. you know like a, a a giant you know platform where. Um, uh, the engineering resources and, and other things like, you know, are make it tenable to to make that stuff accessible. But yeah, the, the, uh, I've been very impressed with the LSP support that uh, the BB Edit has been getting over the years because that has been, um, it's weird. It's like 15 years ago, the whole, or more than that now, God, um, you know, TextMate, it was all about, you know, like the extensions and like the packages and like plugins. And like, yeah. that was the thing that like made that. Accessibility. Yeah, mm-hmm. Right, yeah. accessibility. Mm-hmm. Right, that was the thing that made it like, the game changer for all of us and now that's kind of table stakes i think for a lot of editors uh but the real thing is lsps like that's now the yep. that's now the thing is like yep. okay well, what's your lsp situation like yep and if all you're right. like me and you don't need that at all it's still <laughs> right like i I'm I'm biased because Text Wrangler was my first oh, uh, text editor since lovely. I was like this is the free BB edit and mm-hmm. so that is what I I, I just know and love and it, it also was a, a champ with to, huge files. Also a champ yes. with huge files. Yeah. It's great out great, yeah, great out. Yeah. I think it still uh is around, but like uh if 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 you're I think if you're 30, buy buy B B edit. It's <laughs> it's so I I love VS Code, but I'm such a, a, a noob with all of this and especially like with 
with swift stuff and opening x things from and putting him in x code i'm just like ah, oh no and um again if you and there's lots of mac nerds who can tell you how to use bb edit if you're again like me and i'm like help me no there's tons of them and text wrangler is gone but what you what they have now is like a free version of bb edit that has all the same features that text um wrangler had so the text wrangler was amazing back in the day and Mm -hmm. and bb edit is still available for direct purchase um the price has gone up slightly uh, to fifty nine ninety nine for a direct purchase, but it's also available on the App Store at oh. a subscription, uh, like in app purchase. So there's a free version you can download, mm. um, and then uh, sign on for the subscription. Last note, and this may be of particular interest to Alex because I've been in Chicago when the cicadas have come up, um, <laughs> and, and it has been loud. So there are 13-year and 17-year cicadas, um, that, mm-hmm. and they're all in sync. Every 13 years, the 13-year cicadas all hatch at once. They fly around for a day, and then they die. Um, <gasps> and then there are 17-year cicadas that do the same thing on a different cycle. Only every 221 years do they hatch at the same time. 2024 is that year. <sighs> The 13-year and the 17-year cicadas will come out all at once. It will be noisy, and it will be crazy, and the trees will be covered in the husks of dead cicadas. And I'm actually pretty excited for it. This is going to be an event. (laughs) I mean, not going to lie. It is... Uh, to me, it's absolutely horrifying when it <laughs> happens because I'm like, oh boy! And it, it also the two different kinds have a different crunch yeah. when you uh-huh. walk on the corpses. <laughs> they sure do. They sure do because they're everywhere. Um, so I'm excited to go and take uh, a fancy mic out and record. There you go. <laughs> oh my like, god, the ASMR not, stuff is going to be crazy. They're already dead, right? Um, you so, gotta. Yeah, I you gotta I consider though the evolutionary <laughs> advantage of. So like every it's their 13 years are underground. They're impervious to predators and then they all come out at the same time. So no predator could possibly take down any significant portion of the population. So from an evolutionary perspective, this is like an invincible species yeah. that will just continue to exist mm-hmm. in like these 13 us. and 17 year caps. Yeah, I yes. think so. Like, like, yeah. like, like, that's the thing. Like we're all going to survive. Dead. They'll survive. Everything. The like no matter, no matter sure. what we do to this, to this planet, like no matter what we, what we try to do to destroy it, like short of us being able to like literally like pull like a Superman and like blow up the core from the inside, like, right. like the cicadas will, will remain. <laughs> yep. Yeah, a general uh, AI like no 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 AGI is not going to be able to take out the cicadas. <laughs> no, no, no. Yep. They're like we laugh. All at right. Them. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both for this almost two-hour episode. Hey, Thanks, Jeff, oh, in absence. No, don't apologize. You're amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. No, oh, you you sat you. through an insanely long mental health corner. I I appreciate you. No, this this is uh, I think the only show I, I ask directly to be on, and I really appreciate you having me. Thank oh, we you. love you, Alex. We love you so much. You're the best. All right, hey guys, get some sleep. Get some sleep. The system is going down low.